So I hope you're proud of yourself, Nick Page, for <laughs> absolutely ruining my life. Can you? Uh, would you like to <laughs> tell me what what exactly happened so, in your own words? So well, here in my own words, Page and I went away for a weekend, just a lovely, quiet, relaxing weekend to get over having you. Uh, stay with us the weekend before we thought we need a little bit of us time (laughs) (laughs) understandable and and picture the scene we're staying in a beautiful beautiful uh, area of um, I don't even know I think it's like Hampshire West Sussex border Mm. really and it's near East Meon and uh, we're, we're, we're discovering lovely new places where we've never walked forests and, you know, old Winchester Hill and beautiful butterflies and wildlife, blah, 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 blah. We're sitting down, we're having a lovely pub meal, stone baked pizzas. And there is one of your classic churches. And I mean, specifically one of your classic churches. You know, <laughs> it look, looks like a carcassonne church, as I call them, for board yeah. lovers everywhere. And Rachel goes, oh, that looks like a nice church. Shall we go in? Uh, I'm by a river. I'm having a pint. And <laughs> a pizza. She wants to go in a church. This is you, Nick Page. This is on you. We never used to go travelling around. So sure enough, we went in and we admired the architecture and the blocked up windows and the blooming font. <laughs> Welcome everybody to episode 169, I think it is, is of it? the, well, might as well be, okay. of the Mid-Faith Crisis <laughs> podcast. Uh, my name is Nick Page, and there is a uh, newly enthusiastic church architecture student, Joe Davis. <laughs> oh, don't even begin. <laughs> I think it's wonderful. Do you? Do you really? <laughs> we went into that uh, church in East Mion on the way down to you. It's got an amazing font in Tornai stone. It's called a Tornai font. It's in black stone. It's incredible. It's incredible. It's great. Sorry. Oh, so, sorry. Font. Yes. Yeah. Good, know, very good. Yeah. Anyway, right. uh, yeah, and I'm going away this weekend, so I'm gonna I'm gonna Are see you? some more churches. Yeah. So I'll send you some photos. I'll send you some photos. Shall oh, I? would you? Thanks. Particularly the fonts yeah. and any bricked up windows you come across is so yeah, fascinating. Good, good, good. So yeah. apart from that, how are you? <laughs> I'm all right. I had a lovely weekend away with a few notable exceptions, but yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> uh, it's really good. And and big day. Um, mm. Went to the cinema for the first time for oh, well, eighteen months. Is it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's watched a film called Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds. Have you heard about that? Yes, I've heard a little very, bit. Very, very funny. I mean, if you just want light, frothy nonsense, that it did that extremely well. Mm. Yeah, that very, was really very good. good. So, um, yeah, and then back into an incredibly busy week and an incredibly busy week next week. Oh, Looking forward okay. to seeing my lovely children this weekend. Lovely. And oh, you? My friend? Uh, yeah, well, I also watched a, a film, finally watched an, an art house film that I've been waiting to see. Uh, was it? Did it have was... Ryan Reynolds in it? No, it didn't have Ryan Reynolds <laughs> in it. It, it was uh, Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, oh. It was great. <laughs> I've been waiting quite a long while to see <laughs> that. That art house classic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like John Wick, only with 180 foot monsters doing yeah. it it's very good so uh yeah uh, i really I, I thoroughly enjoyed it oh um, great <laughs> and as i said we're about to go away uh yeah. weekend away which would be nice. nice actually to be honest all this sudden burst of 
you know, relaxation and and entertainment. Mm. It's quite exhausting. It's taking its toll on you. <laughs> I think I think we're going away, and then I think we come back, and it's somebody's is a wedding celebration to go to, and then yeah, well, parties, and I can't be doing your age. Should be taking it easy now. You don't have the capacity you used to. Well, I don't actually. I am quite annoyed at how tired I get now. Oh yeah. Um, I was fixing the decking uh, out out on the back, and and, you know when we first moved here, however many years ago, I built all that decking in in like a week. Impressive. Well, now it's taken me about three weeks just to fix a small bit of it. You know, (laughs) I just. I do a couple of planks and then I think, oh, I better go and have a lie down now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm all right. Apart from that, it's good. It's all good. Great. So, um, so we can move on, really, can't we? Yes, I think we are because uh, there's something quite specific I want to talk to you about tonight. Mm, okay. Uh, we will go through some rather marvellous feedback uh, that we've Excellent. had. So uh, let's start with Tom. Uh, Tom says, hi, Nick and Joe. I was really pleased to hear a bit more of a critical response on your latest episode to the previous interview with John Philip Newell. As I listened to the interview in the kitchen, I smiled to hear John say that Pelagius was widely misunderstood, only to go on to defend a fairly traditional outline of Pelagianism, uh, that the recognised heresy. And he says, I say this as a borderline heretic <laughs> myself. Uh, he says, but I did wonder if it tied into your later excellent discussion about the power of Satan being deception and the suggestion that believing that you're worthless is a dangerous and damaging deceit. I agree. But does it not also work the other way? Can we end up believing a lie that what is deepest within us, the divine spark, the words of the Gnostics, is unaffected by sin, and that if we only look inside ourselves a bit deeper, we'll find salvation, whatever that means, without really needing God or Jesus, that the answer lies within? I think there are many examples where this thinking has landed people in very confused places, worshipping the divine spark within other humans, for instance. I know you chaps like Raw. Well, I do. Uh, So I won't go there, but I suspect (laughs) a plottiness would thoroughly approve. Uh, Take care, both. And thanks for piling so much food for thought into each episode. So what do you think about that? That um, if you go too far the other way and you're worshipping the divine Mm. in people, then you've made too little of sin. Well, I think uh, I think I'm not really an expert on Neoplatonism, but Plotinus, Plotinus is is the sort of founder of that, and I think he he talked about sort of the one, the this sort of almost like um, a life force or power, the logos, you know, it's a very impersonal being, um, kind of idea um, uh, behind everything. Or mm. It's sort of like I think he linked it with beauty or perfection. Anyway. Um, well, I, I don't know. You see, I think it. I think we did. We did sort of talk about this uh, last week, didn't we? In terms of, um, you know, we're not denying the power of sin and the the, no. the the presence of sin, and indeed the sinfulness of all people in a way. Um, I think it's just the idea that you're born into that yeah. condition. Yeah, I think that's. It, I think that's right. Yeah, it's more of a problem. So, but I do take his point. Um, I take Tom's point. I think, and I do, th- and I have wondered about this myself because you know, th- I've wondered whether in our desire to get rid of the wormy worm kind of, hmm. um, you know, uh, language, we might end up going too far the other way and saying, you know, look at you, you're We're just beautiful as you are, yeah. and and it's a kind of, it's Thank a kind you. of, well, you are beautiful as you are. Look at you. 
Um, not not classically beautiful, but uh, more quirky. <laughs> anyway, um, so I'm digging a hole here. But anyway, the the thing is, yeah. So I do think there is that that you can go a bit too far, uh, maybe down the sort of pop psychology way. Yes. I think it can. You can go to either extreme if you're not careful. You yeah. can think too highly of yourself and too badly of yourself, and you can put too much emphasis on sin and too much and too little emphasis on sin. You you've got to get a balance. Mm. Um, as to that last bit, you know, the, the the answer lies within. Well, I think partly sometimes it does. You know, you have that that mm. that voice. So I think the answer lies all over. The answers to this kind of thing lie all over the place. The answers lie within and without and um, shake it all about. Exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> of course they do. <laughs> so I think, I think the hokey cokey might actually be what it's the all spiritual about. spiritual hokey cokey. <laughs> We've had the chicken masala of spirituality, <laughs> and now. <laughs> well, you know, you you, you know, put your left leg in, you put your left leg out. It's like worship, really. It's the spiritual anyway. hokey cokey of hearing the voice of the divine. Yeah, it is. Okay, really. I like it. Okay, so moving on uh, to Lisa. She says, hi, Joe and Nick. Wondered if I might add something to that which was raised in last week's podcast when you were talking about seeing God in people and specifically seeing God in those that have committed crimes and are serving prison sentences. Uh, She says, I spent almost three years working with a faith-based charity who work exclusively in prisons during the course of my time there. I went to about 25 prisons throughout England and Wales and met with countless men and women serving sentences. This has included regular local prisons, both men and women, category A prisons, uh, which are maximum security, and specialist sex offender prisons. I'm not sure if I can tell you how to see God in these folks, but I can tell you that I absolutely do. Um, God the divine is right there in our prison. The story of God is the story of humanity. I don't believe in a distant God. I believe in a God who is among their people, a God who works in and through people wherever they are, including prison. Maybe it helps when you meet prisoners, hear their stories, get to know their families and meet their children. I think one of the lessons that was confirmed to me very early in that job was that we have to see through the veil of the crime to see the person behind it. We must remember that they are people who have committed a crime. They are not the crime themselves. Maybe then we might see their humanity. And when we can see the humanity, we can also see the divinity, because one, I believe, doesn't exist without the other. Of course, none of this excuses crimes committed, and I don't want to sound like it does. People commit crimes and are rightly punished. I'm not blind to think that it's a rosy world where everything turns out good in the end. But I maintain that of all the prisons I have been into and of all the prisoners I have met, I have yet to find a bad person. I've only ever met people who've done bad things. Maybe they are there somewhere, but I haven't found them. It's a small but subtle difference that maybe allows me to see God, even in those in the maximum security unit at Belmarsh Prison. She said, keep casting the pods, Lisa. That's a, that's a lovely point, isn't it? I think that's great, and yeah. And we're back to that whole tension of original goodness and sin and its devastating consequences and all those things. But Yeah, and how people could yeah. do amazingly bad things and yet still, I think, be a cherished, loved child of God. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. And I think I think it's easy for us to say that, not having been the victims perhaps recently mm, of a really mm. horrendous crime, but... You know, I I feel like what you're saying must be true. I really do. Mm. 
Okay. Thank you. Moving on. Uh, David says, the following thoughts are not necessarily rational or coherent. However, reflecting on your discussion uh, on is the divine in cancer cells and Christ in the trenches, I started to think about how the corruption of the divine by the church, or maybe more correctly by some individuals within the church, and whether the divine is within that process, and how does that relate to my disillusionment of the church? And have I cast out the divine by severing ties with an organisation that for a significant part of my life has been the focus of my faith? Part of the struggle for me has been separating the actions of a few, uh, the inaction of quite a few, the grace and beauty of the church mixed in with petty self-serving at times individuals and an experience of not feeling mentally or emotionally safe. He says, thank you both for providing something to hang on to when at times I feel like telling the church to bongos. <laughs> I like that, David. And, and you've, you've, you've got right in a mix the complexity of the whole situation then. We were talking last week about, you know, is it the church or is it just humans? Is it individuals? You know, is it fair to get angry at the church and blame the church for this and that? And I love his honesty. And I, honestly, I feel this way about the Bible sometimes. The Bible makes me angry. Uh, some of the passages in it and what you you know the kind of work you have to do to sort of understand it especially I think coming from that view that although I knew it was all always wrong I sort of assumed God had dictated the Bible mm. and if God had dictated the Bible then he really did tell people to smash babies heads against rocks and things mm. and and commit all sorts of genocide so it was very very hard to uh, to square that so I think that's a well-measured um, reflection from David. And, and I think it links in what we were talking about at the beginning in Tom's email yeah. and, and also what Lisa was writing, you know, that, that um, people are messed up. It's complicated. Mm. You know, it's not as simple as that. I think the, the we, were, we were saying this last week, that you were saying about the church, the idea that the church does this or the church does that. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think it's particularly helpful to blame the church no. for stuff uh, least of all ideas of I don't, I don't know what the phrase he um used about the corruption of the divine that kind of stuff because the church isn't one thing i mean if you think about it without the church we don't have most of the we don't have the language to talk about what we're talking about at the moment no. we don't have any of those concepts without the church we don't have all the authors that we like and the people yeah. we interview who are really interesting and helpful no, of course not yeah yeah, no, it's a good reminder and a good. Point. And they've all helped us. And without the church, we don't have lovely uh, old buildings to go into <laughs> and uh, to visit at weekends. <laughs> beautiful fonts to look at, Joe. I just want you to think about that for a right. moment. Uh, and I want to invite you to shut up. <laughs> bless, bless you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that gift. <laughs> so, <laughs> Rebecca. Uh, Rebecca says this. So this is a good one. And this leads into, this email leads into what I want to talk to you about. Um, okay. Uh, so uh, thank you, Rebecca. She says, Dear Joe and Nick, on the subject of prayer and intervention, I hold to the line, thy will be done as Jesus taught us to pray. My mum passed away in 2010 from cancer. She had great faith herself and we all prayed for healing. She had many people praying all over the world, such was her influence during life. So if volume of prayer is needed, she got it. If geographical spread of prayer was needed, she had that. At one time, she had church leaders and family around her bed at the hospice praying. So both intensity and seniority of prayer were covered. She still passed away. Uh, so were our prayers answered? 
well, not in the way we wanted, but I believe they were answered by thy will be done. Her pain and suffering were completely removed and she is now at the most amazing Christian conference, the like of which has never been seen on earth. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that, Rebecca. Anyway, <laughs> says, so, she says, so when I pray, it is in the hope and belief, but with the humbleness to know that God knows better than I do what is best for us. And yes, I have prayed twice for parking spaces and twice granted miraculously right outside the door of my destinations. Oh, both times with <laughs> non or unsure believers in the car. My God has a sense of humour and perhaps uses those small insignificant prayers to show he is there to show those who are unsure. <laughs> she says, may God bless your podcast. Uh, listening faithfully in Bangkok. Thank you. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Well, well <laughs> I mean, thank you, Rebecca. I think that's that's a really helpful email, I think. Um, and I think, obviously, there's still all those questions there, aren't there? But, uh, you know, I think one of the ways I've, I'm coming to think about this is how do people want you to pray for them? Yeah. You yeah. Know, because I, I hope, I'm assuming your mum wanted all that, you know, wanted that kind of level of, of, uh, of, of prayer and asked for it and was mm. and welcomed it. Uh, in which case, I can't actually see anything, any problem with that whatsoever. You know, I still think there's a mystery there, obviously. There's all yeah. kinds of stuff going on there and thy will be done. And maybe God's will is at a different level than the sort of micro level that we, that we sometimes talk about. But, um, you know, in terms of the car parking and all that, well, yeah, bless yeah. you. We've talked about thankfulness yes. for those things in the past <laughs> and what's have. our response to them. But, um, yeah, I've, I've been thinking a lot about this, but I know you have as, as well. well so. There's two things. We'll come on to the big question I have uh, for you in, in a second. Okay. But I, I think I think just, you know, thinking about healing prayer specifically, mm. I, I wasn't too happy with where we got, well, what I said last week, because, you know, sometimes you think, oh, no, I didn't really mean that. I could have said that better because, you know, I, I recognise how I backed myself into a corner over this kind of, you know. Wait, wait, it, wait. So, are we talking about? Joe's more thought through response to something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, hallelujah. I've had, <laughs> I've had that epiphany and now you're having it as well. That's great. Yes. And I, but I think what I want to say about praying for people for healing is this. For me, I do believe there are so many dimensions of reality. I mean, like the top scientists in the world, if they were to be honest, would say they don't understand how the universe works. They, they, they've got some really good and interesting theories. And I think because they are incredibly intelligent, they work hard and they're diligent and they test those theories. They've got a good idea of how some stuff works, but they don't know how everything works. They don't know, for example, if every atom in the universe, you know, is connected and how it's connected. The, you know, these are things we're still hypothesizing about at this stage. So when it comes to prayer... And for example, whether we should pray, you know, lay hands on people in particular, I think, when we pray for the sick, obviously, if the necessary permissions have been obtained. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> should, should we lay hands? Well, you don't sort of just creep up on them. <laughs> just creep up behind them and just lay hands. Yeah. No, don't do that. <laughs> but, but, you know, I think, well, to me, that makes perfect sense because who knows what energy transference is going on anyway and that's mm. in that particular set of circumstances. But also, who knows, you know, to what extent subatomic particles are moving around all over the place. We certainly know that 
we certainly know that when you're in a room with someone, there's all kinds of things that you probably don't actually want to know in terms of the exchange of stuff going on between us. So it's, it's an extraordinary thing, actually. It's a fascinating world of science. So I still hold to prayer could do something in a dimension that who knows, maybe even science could explain one day. Mm. So I think we're absolutely free to pray. But but like you said, ask people what they want. I mean, you know, you, that was one of Jesus's great examples, wasn't he? He goes up mm. to a blind person. He doesn't just heal him. He says, what do you want? Gives yes. them a chance to ask. Yeah. yeah. It could have ruined their livelihood. You know, that's the danger, <laughs> isn't it? Because once, like once you're not blind, you can't beg anymore. Like, like, well, we shouldn't take uh, Monty Python's Life of Brian no. as, a, uh, sure. as a kind of documentary, I think, on this. Um, I, I mean, I think that's, that's I agree with that. And I think yeah. that also I'd add in the power of symbol. So oil or whatever, anointing with oil. Um, in fact, in ancient world, it was therapeutic. You know, it was a medicinal yeah. thing, actually. It was a partly therapeutic thing. But we... I think it's also this profound symbol. It means anointed. You know, it means it's it's becoming yeah. Christ-like, and I think that can have a, a okay. huge psychological effect on people as well. I think so. I agree with you. I I think there's all kinds of dimensions going on, and mm. um, I like that that idea in Rebecca's thing of you know thy will be done. I suppose there's questions about well what what is the will in this case, but I I think that is how Jesus prayed, and this is why we came to last week, wasn't it, when we were saying, yeah, or well, I was saying. You know, I'm going to pray like Jesus prayed yeah. as much as possible. No. And and I think what I take from Rebecca's email is about the humility of that. Although mm. I don't yes. think that God, you know, personally, I just can't see how the divine reserves a parking space. But, you know, who knows? One who day, know? Joe, one day, Joe, you'll <laughs> see the light. <laughs> exactly. But here's the thing. Here's what I really want to talk about this week. Um, it is about Afghanistan. It's about and about praying for Afghanistan. Mm. You know, one of the things when I was a pastor that used to really annoy me was if there was some massive world event going on or something that everyone was talking about and thinking about or troubled by, we would still do, you know, part 25 of our journey through Genesis. Um, <laughs> there's no way we were going to stop what we had planned to talk about to pick up on some important news item or anything because... <laughs> <laughs> because we no, were lazy. because nothing is more <laughs> important than the preaching rotor. nothing is more important than the preaching or the and or the preacher frankly yes, yes. Uh, so so <laughs> so i feel similar about this podcast now because i think we this is the elephant in the room at the moment for me uh, you, you know afghanistan and how to pray. firstly i'm really noticing within me a real deep desire to pray hmm. which I really do. I, do you think you're becoming a Christian? I don't know. I, I may be. Shall on I the do road. an article? What should I do, Nick? If I want to give my read, life, read this pamphlet and, <laughs> and sign a direct debit. No, listen. I really do want to pray, but of course, hmm. you've backed yourself into a corner and opened yourself to the accusations of hypocrite. If you, if you, you know, make the statement, well, I don't know that I really believe in an interventionist God. Well, why on earth are you praying for Afghanistan? And how do you pray? For Afghanistan, because the truth is, I don't really think uh, that if I was to lead one of the Bible study, uh, one of the prayer meetings, like I used to, and you know I used to lead these prayer meetings, and we'd we'd have to pray for these massive world events, and um, and I think most people didn't do what I did, which is sit down and be thinking, is this actually making a difference? I mean, you know, will will the Taliban or ISIS not attack? 
if we in this room pray a certain prayer? Is that how it works? Is that how God works? Is that is that the whole thing? So if that's the case, then all of us better get into prayer meetings. Um, and actually, as we just started recording, we've just heard reports of an explosion at Kabul Airport, which was completely expected, but that doesn't make it any less tragic and horrific. Um, and, you know, I've been seeing these interviews all, all week, you know, trying to limit the news, which we've been talking about on that. But frightened people who are not welcome in their own country and, you know, probably wouldn't be welcome in any other country. So they're mm. homeless and they're distraught and they're fearing for their lives because they think they're going to be killed. So. So not running away from that reality, I want to pray for them. And I, and I suppose this breaks down into several fragment parts, really, which is, you know, why, why do I want to pray? Why do I feel that so strongly? And then what do I pray, knowing what I believe about the divine and how things set up and and then, yeah, how do you, well, perhaps let's just deal with those. How do, how do we move forward? So that's it. And you are going to answer those questions, Nick Page. Uh, so the first question was, why do I, why do I want to? Pray? Why do I want? Well, yeah. Why, why is it so instinctive to cry out when you see these terrible things happening in the world? To and to cry out to God specifically. Uh, I think because you care. I, I think it just comes down to that. It's because you care. You're em you're empathetic. Uh, uh, you you. You have you see people in need. You want to do something. Then in this situation, there's not massive we can masses we can do, hmm. um, but you care, and that is that is the basis of intercessory prayer. It seems to me is to an expression of caring, an expression that I am concerned about something. I want something to change. Yeah, and so you know, I think I think if we've got to a point uh, in our discussions where we are sort of almost intellectually hobbled, we can't plead for people before god yeah. um i think we've taken a bit of a wrong turn because, of course yeah, yeah well i think so because i think no. our whole and i kind of want to make a statement about the podcast in a way um now go on then would which, you like me to do an introduction ladies and gentlemen okay. now follows a statement about the podcast <laughs> by nick page thank you very much um it's been a difficult week for all of us and <laughs> i have to resign um, no, th 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 thank you very much for that intro. Um, I, I think the statement I want to make is that we we, we embrace mystery yeah. in the podcast. Yeah. That whilst we have, it was not much of a statement actually, not particularly yeah, helpful. It was quite disappointing. <laughs> I preferred the other one where you resigned. <laughs> but but no, you know, I think it's really helpful. I hope it's really helpful for people to question and discuss. But. I think over and again, we keep saying we don't want to reject the possibility of mystery and the miraculous. I don't want to throw that out. The, the, the fact that you, you still want to pray, the fact that you, you still want to embrace that mystery. I think if we're not willing to embrace the mystery, we, we might we might have stopped caring in that sense. Mm, you know, and I, I could, yeah. I'm saying this because I can sort of feel it in myself, Joe. I mean, I'm aware of myself mm. that if, as I've had more and more reservations about intercessory prayer i think maybe i'm kind of losing empathy by that mm. maybe i'm i'm sort of isolating myself i'm withdrawing into myself mm. um and i i think that's a danger so i i think that's the first reason i mean i don't know how you feel yeah. about that but i think no. you want to pray because you care about the situation i i suppose one of the things that i continue to believe a 
firmly about prayer is that prayer changes me. Mm, yeah. So I was chatting to a friend friend about this, and and uh, they were saying, um, you know, one of the exercises we had in one of the spiritual discipline books that we were sort of working through was praying for enemies, and they had a particularly sort of challenging um, manager at that time, and, and and so you know the manager for the purpose of this exercise was their enemy, um, and so they chose to pray for them. And there was an answer to that prayer because then an opportunity came up later that was a real opportunity for compassion and for interaction. And it totally had an unexpected outcome because they had been praying for their enemy. Yeah. So a a situation that would not have happened if they hadn't been praying. I mean, I think we can say that very definitely Mm. for them. So there's a real clear instance of praying it changing you and changing your attitude towards a situation and then an opportunity that would never have normally been seen or come up comes up and you behave differently and there's a yeah you know something very good comes out of that so so i get how prayer changes me um but i but you know specifically there i mean you must be getting emails and of course you know your work um yeah, you you must be getting emails from Christian agencies saying, "Please pray for Afghanistan. Please mm. pray for Afghanistan." And I'm I find myself, you know, going, I, "I well, I I will, I want to, but I don't know what to say." Right. I don't know what to say because I don't actually believe. I suppose I don't actually believe that the Taliban's hearts are going to be turned. Mm. I want to believe it, but I, you know, I, sure, I think sure. it's well. I certainly, th- you know, if, if faith is the key, I my faith is that they probably won't, and yeah. you know, maybe they might cause a bit less damage. But but you know, so so I get that prayer changes me. I'm not sure how much it changes the situation, but regardless of whether it changes the situation, I want to pray for the situation yes, to be changed. Yes. See what I mean? Well, I think um, Brother Andrew, who founded Open Doors, who who I work for, as you know, mm. some of my time. You know, he said, be careful because you might be the answer to the prayer that you pray. Yeah. And to be fair to him, he spent his whole life bombing off into these incredibly dangerous places to yeah. go and speak to people. Yes, yeah, so there you go. But he never changed the politics of a region. He never changed that. But he, I think he did have a profound effect on individuals that he met. Um, I don't know. I think, I think you have to find... Amongst those requests for prayer, you you have to find a prayer that resonates for you, that helps you, you know. And some agencies' prayers you might not respond to, or some some things you think I can't really pray for that, but I can do this. I mean, you've often spoken, for example, of uh, was it shielding prayers or what are they called, circling prayers, and those kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. So that would be something that you could pray. I often find myself praying um, for uh, people to experience somehow the presence of God. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know how that's going to be mediated in their life or in that situation. Um, but I, I believe it's true. I mean, one of the challenges I have is per- permanently on this for me, a, a good challenge, is that the persecuted Christians who have met in my life, all of them have said, please pray for us. That's what they want. They want me to pray for them. So it kind of comes back to Rebecca's, uh, I think it was Rebecca, her, her email. You know, how do, we, how do these people want you to pray for them? How, what are they asking for? Um, and mm. and can we can we do that? Can we do that on their behalf? Can we find the words that fit uh, for us to pray for other people in that way? So I I 
I think, uh, you know, my organisation, Open Doors, is asking people to pray. There's very little else we can do at the moment anyway, but I think that's that it's really important that we do pray because I think it, it makes the situation real to us and uh, it keeps us connected with the possibility of a God who is present everywhere. Yeah, that I certainly believe. Yeah. I think that's where I'd go. Great. Well, thank you. Um, there it is. Um, and listeners, that's the conundrum uh, for me. I find myself in, and y- you know, I think, I think, and this is why we hold on to faith, because no matter all the questioning, and and for me, everything is always up for questioning. I hold dear to that, but there's a part of me, a deeper part of me, I suppose, that knows God is, and um, and God cares. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think thinking back to what i said earlier one of the i think the point we often get to on this podcast is we don't understand how this stuff works but we're not going to give up on it and i think that's probably where i am with with a lot of it you know i don't understand how how it all works but i'm not going to stop praying for people really no and somehow in praying for people uh, i still think maybe it changes us Oh, it does. I know. Absolutely, it's good. It's good and healthy. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I think that's guaranteed. I think yeah. it absolutely changes us. I think that's not the issue in a way. The issue is, well, what else does it do? Does it? And I, and we won't know that answer. I don't think hardly ever in our life we won't know whether that's happening. But I'm I'm still prepared to give it a go. I think. Sure. So, um, if the listeners have still stayed with us this far and have managed mm. to make it through quite a heavy again a second heavy podcast in a row it's, it, it, didn't think it was heavy it's meaty pretty gritty going wasn't it's, it it's no no it's meaty chunks it's solid yeah i think yeah <laughs> i think i think chunks. next week we should do a three uh, you know a proper sermon with three points all <laughs> beginning with the same letter obviously <laughs> yeah we're building up to this but if you have made it this far then it would seem silly for us not to actually pray for afghanistan frankly. i agree <laughs> having got that far and said all those things and say we want to and we're going to then we shall so um we'll finish with this any final reflections uh no just to thank everyone for listening and uh to thank everyone for their support of the podcast and and uh, as dave tomlinson put it you know hold your nerve yeah. hang on hang on in there uh, we don't understand how it works, but don't give up on it. We keep going. And my thanks to Christian Aid uh, for issuing me with a prayer that I, I feel I could pray. Yeah. Oh, that's great. There, well, yeah. there you go. Yeah, grateful for them. And uh, So, a prayer for Afghanistan. O God of mercy and of peace, we hold before you the peoples of Afghanistan. Be living bread to those who are hungry each day. Be healing and wholeness to those who have no access to health care amidst the ravages of pandemic. Be their true home to all who have been displaced. Be open arms of loving acceptance to those who fear because of their gender, ethnicity, religious or political views. Be peace to those engaged in armed conflict and those who live within its shadow. Turn our hearts and minds to your ways of just and gentle peace. Open our eyes to see you in all acts of compassionate care. Strengthen our hearts to step out in solidarity with your suffering people and hold us all in your unfailing love. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, who emptied himself of all but love in order to bring life in all its fullness. Amen.